Welcome to Mr. Banner's History Podcast. Today's episode is on the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, the Lincoln assassination. We've been talking about this in class, and most of you know a pretty good deal about it because we've talked about it a little bit before. On the evening of April 14, 1865, John Wilkes Booth, a famous actor and Confederate sympathizer, assassinated President Abraham Lincoln at Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C. The attack came only five days after Confederate General Robert E. Lee surrendered his massive army at Appomattox Courthouse, Virginia. Who was John Wilkes Booth? Now, for my students, that was one of your vocabulary terms. John Wilkes Booth was a Maryland native born in 1838 to a family of noted actors. His uh, father and brother were both actors, as a matter of fact. Booth remained in the North during the Civil War, but he sided with the South. Um, he really did not believe in racial equality. He would be what we the term we use today a racist. On March 20th, 1865, the day of the planned kidnapping of Abraham Lincoln, John Wilkes Booth planned to kidnap President Lincoln first. Lincoln failed to appear at the spot where Booth and his six fellow conspirators lay in wait, foiling their planned abduction. Two weeks later, Richmond fell to Union forces, and on April 9th, General Robert E. Lee surrendered at Appomattox Courthouse. Growing desperate, Booth came up with an even more sinister plan to save the Confederacy. Booth learned that Lincoln was going to attend Laura Keene's acclaimed performance of Our American Cousin at Ford's Theater in Washington, D.C. on April 14, 1865. So Booth masterminded a plan even worse than his original kidnapping plan. His new plan was to assassinate Abraham Lincoln assassinate the vice president, Andrew Johnson, assassinate Secretary of State William Seward, who would be potential successors to President Lincoln if one Lincoln were assassinated, and his, he also wanted to kill General Grant if Grant were at the theater that night, which Booth didn't really know about that. The Lincolns arrived late for the show, but the president was reportedly in a fine mood and laughed heartily during the production. Lincoln occupied a private box above the stage with his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, a young army officer named Henry Rathbone, and Rathbone's fiancée, Clara Harris, the daughter of New York Senator Ira Harris. So there were four people in the box that night. At 10.15, Booth slipped into the box and fired his 44 caliber single-shot Derringer pistol into the back of Lincoln's head. After stabbing Rathbone, who immediately rushed at him in the shoulder, Booth leapt onto the stage and shouted, Sic Semper Tyrannus, which means thus ever to tyrants. A tyrant is someone who abuses their power. At first, the crowd interpreted the unfolding drama as part of the production, like they thought it was part of the play. But a scream from the First Lady, Mrs. Lincoln, told them otherwise. Although Booth broke his leg in the fall, he managed to leave the theater and escape from Washington on horseback. A 23-year-old doctor named Charles Leal was in the audience and hastened to the presidential box immediately upon hearing the shot and Mary Lincoln's scream. Hastened means he heard it and acted quickly. So this young 23-year-old doctor was in the audience, and when he heard the shot and scream and realized it wasn't part of the play, he rushed up to see what he could do because he probably knew it was a gunshot. He found the president slumped in his chair, paralyzed and struggling to breathe. Several soldiers carried Lincoln to a boarding house across the street and placed him on a bed. When the Surgeon General arrived at the house, he concluded that Lincoln could not be saved 
and would probably die during the night. Uh, the The story goes that Abraham Lincoln, because he was so tall, he was about six foot four, that they had to place him across the bed, almost almost like diagonally across the bed because he was too tall. His feet would have stuck out the bottom of the bed. Vice President Andrew Johnson, members of Lincoln's cabinet, and several of his closest friends stood vigil by the president's bedside in the boarding house. Stood vigil means they like stayed up the whole night waiting for things to happen. The first lady lay on a bed in an adjoining room with her eldest son, Robert Todd Lincoln, at her side, overwhelmed with shock and grief. Mrs. Lincoln had been next to Abraham Lincoln when he was assassinated, when he was shot. Then she came with him across the street when his body was moved, and she was crying and screaming so much that the doctors couldn't concentrate on trying to save the president, so she had to be forcibly removed from the room and moved to the next room. And what you have to understand about Abraham Lincoln's wife, Mary, is that she just saw her husband get shot two years, uh, actually almost three years earlier in the White House. Their other son, Willie, had died of typhoid fever in the White House. And in 1850, before Abraham Lincoln was president, their, old, their other son, Edward, had died when he was only six years old. So Mrs. Lincoln, aside from being next to her husband when he was shot, she had just buried a son three years earlier and another son 15 years earlier. So, so she, was, she was already in a bad state. Finally, Lincoln was pronounced dead at 7.22 a.m. on April 15, 1865, at the age of 56. So President Lincoln was only 56 years old. Now, that, that's young by today's standards, but that was, that was a pretty good age by that time. Of course, most men, if you made it to age 50, you were probably going to make it to older back then. So Lincoln was not young to die by the standards of that day, but making it to 56, he probably would have lived a lot longer. He was in good health. You hear my dog in the background. You hear me with a squeak toy. Edward Curtis, an army surgeon in attendance, later described the scene, recounting that a bullet clattered into a waiting basin during the doctor's removal of Lincoln's brain. He wrote that the team stopped to stare at the offending bullet, the cause of much mighty changes in the world's history, as we may perhaps never realize. So that bullet that killed Abraham Lincoln, it didn't only end the president's life, it didn't only kill a husband and a father, but that bullet that killed Abraham Lincoln sadly killed the hopes and dreams of many of the newly freed African-American slaves because Abraham Lincoln had a plan to rebuild the nation after the Civil War and wanted to work to slowly give African-Americans the rights that white people had. His plan was to start off, of course, by freeing the slaves, which happened, but then he wanted to allow black men to vote, which eventually did happen, but Abraham Lincoln wanted to be a part of that, and he wasn't. So not only did that bullet that killed Abraham Lincoln kill him, it also killed many of the hopes and dreams of the African-American people who were recently freed. Because as we talked about in class, and we'll talk more about as the end of the year comes around even more, in the next week or so, because of the, um, the fact that no one was really there with a plan to help the newly freed black people. They were called freedmen. Many of those people remained working and living on the plantations where they were slaves, where they had been slaves. They would grow the crops like cotton, for example, or tobacco, and they'd be given a portion or a share of the crop. 
and then they'd be able to sell that at the market, but then they'd have to pay rent to the owner of the land who was often their former master. So it's like they couldn't leave. They, they couldn't move. If they moved to the north, they'd have to be able to afford to, like a train ticket to get here, or they'd have to risk um, walking and maybe getting hurt along the way or their whole family. And if you move to the north, black people were not wanted here. There were already signs in store windows about the Irish. It would say, help wanted, no Irish allowed, or no Irish need apply, no colored need apply. Like they were very outward about not wanting to hire certain people for jobs. So where were these newly freed people supposed to go? Some moved to the west, but out west there wasn't much there, and you kind of had to start your life all over again with no one or nothing around you. So that's why many of the newly freed slaves, they stayed where they had been slaves. And without Abraham Lincoln there to kind of like help put new programs in effect to help them, they were left stuck. So the time period known as Reconstruction was led by um, President Andrew Johnson, who was Lincoln's vice president, who was not like Abraham Lincoln. Andrew Johnson was a Southerner, and he was what we would call by today's standards a racist. He did not care about black people. So he really didn't care about helping the newly freed slaves. And then General Grant became president. He won the election of 1868, and he did do things to um, help the black people, but it was more to protect them against groups like the Ku Klux Klan. That's another group that we talked about. Um, the Ku Klux Klan um, came about in 1866, right after the Civil War. And some people argue that if Abraham Lincoln had survived, he would not have allowed groups like the Klan to come to power. He would have stopped them, which would have been an issue too because we talked about this in class too. The sad part is the Ku Klux Klan, they are a legal organization. Like They're allowed to be what they are. They're not allowed to practice um, or, or um, engage in acts of violence, which they often did in the past, but they're allowed to believe what they believe about racial inferiority of certain groups. But if Abraham Lincoln had survived... Maybe he would have done something to not allow that group to gain to, to come to power, but we can talk about that in class. So Lincoln's funeral, news of the president's death traveled very quickly. They had newspapers back then, the Telegraph. They didn't have radio or, or telephone. They, uh, telephones would be invented shortly after. They certainly didn't have Internet, but people traveled and people spread the word. And, of course, like I said, newspapers and the Telegraph. On April 18th, Lincoln's body was carried through the Capitol Rotunda, like underneath in the Capitol building, and Lane State... Um, what that means is um, he was given like a special funeral. His remains were then boarded onto a train that brought him to Springfield, Illinois, where he had lived before becoming president. But that's not it. His body was taken from Washington, D.C. all the way north, through Philadelphia, through New York, all the way up to Buffalo, New York, all the way up, and then back down throughout the rest of the country. So... Abraham Lincoln's body traveled a lot after his death. And at each stop, people would be able to have like a funeral for the president. Tens of thousands of Americans lined the railroad route to pay their respects to their fallen leader during the train's solemn progression through the North. Lincoln and his son, William Wallace Lincoln, who died in the White House of typhoid fever in 1862, were interred on May 4, 1865 at Oak Ridge Cemetery near Springfield. Let me explain what that means. Willie Lincoln, the Lincoln son who died in the White House when Lincoln was president, he was buried right there in Washington, D.C. 
And the plan was that when Lincoln left office and wasn't president anymore, they would disinter his body. That means dig his body up and move it to wherever the family was going to go. That's called disinterring. If someone is buried somewhere and they move their body and move it somewhere else. That happened to George Washington. George Washington was buried on his plantation, Mount Vernon, in what's called the old tomb. Then later on, they built a more fancy one for his body. So he and Martha, his wife, were disinterred. Their bodies were removed, like the coffins, and were taken and put in the new place. So Willie Lincoln, when he died in 1862, he was buried there in Washington, D.C. Then when Abraham Lincoln died, they dug up his son, Willie, and put both the father and son's coffins on the train to be moved back to Illinois, where they had lived, to be buried together. And then later, Mary would be, the mother would be buried there as well when she passed away. A sad story about her is another son, Tad, Thomas Tad, he died when he was 18. So the Lincolns had their five-year-old boy, Edward, die in 1850. Their son, Willie, died in 1862. Abraham Lincoln died in 1865. And then their next son died when he was 18. So Mary Todd Lincoln, she buried three sons and a husband. And she was next to her husband when he was shot. So I'm sure you could imagine, remember in class we talked about insane asylums? Now the Lincolns were, of course, they, they had some money and they were very, very um, influential and I guess you could say famous people. So Mary Todd Lincoln didn't have to go to an insane asylum necessarily, but she didn't need to be kept an eye on. She was not able to stay alone because it was feared because she was suicidal. And you all know what that is. You, you talk about that in school and health class and everything. And if people are feeling that way now, you call, you go online, you get a phone number, you reach out for help in school or, or tell a friend or something like that. But back then, they dealt with that very differently. So Mrs. Lincoln either had to spend the rest of her life under the close eye of her family or her only surviving son, Robert. Very sad story. So the Lincoln assassination, there's a little, there's a little bit in-depth uh, information about it. John Wilkes Booth was captured. He had stopped to get his leg set because he had broken it, and he went on and was then found in uh, Virginia in a barn, and one of his conspirators, David Harold, were in there, and, and um, they, the, the army uh, set fire to the, the barn, hoping that the guys would come out. Harold surrendered, but Booth remained inside, and as the blaze intensified, uh, a sergeant shot Booth in the neck. They really didn't, weren't supposed to shoot him, because they wanted to put him on trial with the other conspirators. Because remember, the conspirators, a conspirator, someone who's in on it, they were put on trial, found guilty of treason, and then they were hanged, including Mary Surratt, the lady who owned the boarding house where John Wilkes Booth and the others had like more or less planned out the original kidnapping of the president and later the assassination. If you remember, I told you in class, excuse me, taking a sip of water. Um... It's a little ASMR, I guess. That's what, so when you say that you like that, when people make noises in the microphone, I think it's weird, but you guys like it. I didn't do that on purpose, so I was actually thirsty. So Mary Surratt owned the boarding house where they had planned out the um, assassination of Lincoln. She claimed that, oh, she didn't know anything about it. And people were like, how do you own a house where a bunch of men are kind of staying and meeting? They're often very drunk and are having having these loud arguments because the neighbors say they heard them. How could you live in the house and not hear what's going on? So Mary Surratt was also found guilty of conspiracy and um, treason. So the Lincoln assassination was much more than just the president being assassinated. We'll talk more about this 
in class. There is that documentary I shared with you about the people who believe that John Wilkes Booth did not die in the in the barn, that he actually survived. I don't believe that, but you can certainly look at that. It, the um, link is on the supplementary videos in my uh, Google Classroom. So I'll see everybody uh, in the morning, talk more about the Lincoln assassination, and if you have any questions, let me know.